Well, this morning we're continuing our Work Matters teaching series, and this is possibly the most important teaching series that we do all year. And the reason for that is that we, most of us spend more time working than we do anything else except maybe sleeping. And so the way that um, your spirituality, the way that God interacts with and affects your work life has such an outsized impact on your life. Last week we talked about dealing with um, difficult people, and this week we're talking about managing stress, managing stress. Stress can absolutely destroy any joy that you have in your job and in your workplace. And God wants you to enjoy your work. Look at this verse to start the day with. Ecclesiastes 5.18 says, it is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them. God wants you to enjoy the work that you have to do, but we struggle to enjoy it, and one of the main reasons is stress. Now, stress is just, um, it's, it's react, your body reacting to a threat, real or perceived. When, you're, when your body feels threatened, whether that's physical or emotional, uh, you, your, your blood pressure goes up, your body releases adrenaline, your pulse quickens, and you have all these other physiological effects. Now, that in itself is not good or bad. If you're um, walking down the street in Boston and a, a city bus is barreling down at you, you better hope that that stress response kicks in in your life and, and saves you from certain doom from the city bus. But the problem comes when we have chronic stress in our lives, when every single day of your life your, your body is operating under this stressed um, state. So the problem with chronic stress when your body never shuts down is you end up with sleeplessness. You ever been so stressed that you couldn't sleep? You end up with worry, anxiety, depression, loss of appetite, or in my case, too much appetite, (laughs) feeling overwhelmed. All of these are symptoms of stress. And most, if not all of you, are living with chronic stress in your life because of work or school. And I want us to learn to deal with and manage that today in a godly way. Because if you don't, it can ultimately be devastating to your physical health. It can be devastating to your emotional health and your spiritual life. If you are constantly stressed out in your life, chances are you are no fun to be with and you're not doing a good job of loving your neighbor as yourself, if you are so overwhelmed and chronically stressed at, at, at your work, chances are you don't have a vibrant relationship with God either. So we've gotta learn how to manage it, and we've gotta learn how to deal with it. And the good news is God talks a lot about this in the Bible, a lot about this in his word, and he has a better way for you to live in managing the stress in your life. Now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna start by looking at the top four causes of stress in your life, And then we'll get into what the Bible says about managing that. So here's the top four causes of workplace stress. Now, I want you to pull out your teaching notes that were in your program today. They look like this. And the top four causes are right there on the front page. And I want you to write this down. Here's the first cause. Lack of control. Write this down. So little is under our controls, but this is nowhere more evident than when you are at work than when you are at your job. Think about this, even if you're the CEO or you're the boss, you either have shareholders or you have investors or you have a board. When you are in the workplace, there are so many things happening that are out of your control. Your livelihood is in someone else's hands. Someone can fire you or lay you off. So lack of control is a huge cause of stress. Number two, excessive demands. Does your boss expect you to work miracles? Overload your schedule, expect you to work nights and weekends? Excessive demands are a huge cause of stress. 
Number three, top causes of workplace stress, difficult people. We, we talked about this uh, last week, that everyone has difficult people in their life, but when you get shoved together with difficult people in your job, your, work, your life can become miserable, especially if it's your boss. You ever worked for a difficult boss? So much stress in your life. Now, we actually taught about this last week, and so you can have access to that. If you download the Renewal Church Boston app, you can get all of our teachings. It's also on the website. And here's number four, top causes of workplace stress, lack of boundaries. This can be related to those excessive demands from your boss, but it's also the, the demands you place on yourself sometimes. Do you bring your work home with you? Right? That's a lack of boundaries. Do you work on weekends? Do you miss out on social or family time because you, know, you can't say no to work? Or do you pick up the slack of underperforming coworkers? Some of you are rescuers and you just can't help it. You just, you just can't help it, but you end up doing their work for them. We actually have a message coming up in a couple weeks on finding balance in your work and life. But lack of boundaries is a huge cause of stress. And of course, there are more than these. These are just the top ones that come to mind. But here's the, here's the thing. You are going to face stress in your life, and you're going to face stress in your work. God does not want you to live a stress-free life. What do I mean by that? I think God wants you to learn how to manage your stress. I don't think he wants you to constantly live with anxiety and worry and all those kinds of things. But there's going to be some difficulty in your life. And he wants you to learn to manage that difficulty in a healthy way. Now, unhealthy people and unhappy people refuse to take responsibility for managing the stress in their life, and they just complain about the fact that there is stress in their life. The unholy trinity of unhappy people is ignore, deny, blame. You ever worked with somebody like that? Ignore, deny, blame. It's never their fault, and so they're chronically unhappy. Now, you contrast that to what the Bible talks about, is that we have to take responsibility for managing stress, and we have to take responsibility for dealing with it in a godly way. This is what Galatians 6.5 says. Each person must be responsible for himself. How's that for an inspirational Bible quote to put on your wall? (laughs) Maybe you need to hang this up in your kid's room or your nephew's room, right? Each person's responsible for himself. And I mean, come on, this is something we know, but it's something we have to put into practice in our work as well. That you're not responsible for the difficult people at your job. You're not responsible for what they say or what they do. You know, it's always they. It's, you're not responsible for them, but you are responsible for your response, Can I get an amen? You are responsible for your response. That's just what it is. You don't have control over them, but you have control over you. So we've got to learn to manage and deal with stress in godly and healthy ways instead of unhealthy ways. That brings us to the core of our teaching from the Bible today. To defeat stress in my job, I must, and here's the first one, I must remember God is in control. This is inside your notes at the uh, top of the second page. I must remember... God is in control. One of the biggest causes of workplace stress is feeling like things are out of control. Now, maybe they are out of control at your work, but they're never out of God's control. Let me share a cool verse with you. Proverbs 19, 21 says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. In other words, you make plans, but really God's in control. 
And so much stress happens when the plans that you have made, they're not happening for you. They're not coming to pass. And you're worried and you feel like everything's out of your control. So maybe you've planned to stay in your current job for a long time, but now you're worried you might lose your job. Well, listen, God's in control. You're secure in him. He has a purpose for you. He wants you to trust him. Maybe you planned to work in a field that you love, but now you're stuck doing a job that you just have to, you hate doing, but you have to do it to pay the rent. Well, listen, God is in control. He has a purpose in it for you. He wants you to trust him. Maybe you planned to work your way up the corporate ladder, but the promotions haven't come for you. And now it feels like all your peers are getting ahead of you. And that's what you planned. But listen, God still has a purpose for you in it. He wants you to trust him. Maybe you planned to get uh, straight A's in school so that you could get into another school. I don't know how that works. Never-ending school, some of you know about that. But the grades haven't been coming. So... Listen, God has a purpose for you in it. Number one, yes, study harder next time. But number two, God has a purpose and a plan. He wants you to trust him. Maybe you planned on having freedom at work, but your boss is micromanaging you. We all have our plans, but the Lord's purpose prevails. And when you remember that it's not about your plans coming to pass, but it's about God being in control, it will greatly reduce the amount of stress in your life. I learned this when I was about to graduate from school. I was studying engineering at the time. And I had just a couple months left until I graduated, and I didn't have a job. Now, I, was, I wanted to be in ministry full-time, but I was looking for engineering jobs, and I was looking for ministry jobs, um, and it just wasn't happening. And the closer I got to graduation, the more worried I got, because I'm trying to make these plans. And actually, I was getting married that summer, too, so there was a little bit of pressure to get a job. Well, with about two months left to go um, until I graduated, I got a phone call from one of my mentors who I had worked with in a church. And he said, hey, we're moving to Charlotte, North Carolina. We're gonna start a church. I want you to come up with us and be a part of it. But I can't pay you. And I I really clearly remember him saying that part of it. (laughs) And I was like, you know, I, I was making all these plans, but what actually gave me peace was when I realized God was in control. So the day after I graduated, I put all of my possessions into my pickup truck, and I drove up to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I got a job there working at a hospital, which was fine. And within six months, God's plan unfolded further. Um, There was a man in our church who believed in tithing, which is giving um, God his full 10%. And that's something my wife and I have practiced since the time we were teenagers. Whenever we get a dollar, we give God 10 cents of that dollar, and we just always do that. Well, this guy believed in it too, but he's in a slightly different income bracket than I am. And so he uh, came to the church leaders and said, I need to tithe. It's going to be $500,000. So within six months of me coming on staff at that church, the church hired me full time. And I just got, got to watch God's plan unfold. Now, there's two things I learned from that story. Number one, it is better that God is in control than that your plans come to pass. And number two, if you would like to tithe $500,000 to the church, come talk to me after the service and we'll make a plan. It's just better that God's in control. And when you know that and believe that, that your, your stress level just absolutely starts to drop. It starts to drop. When things start to feel out of control, it's a sure sign that you have misplaced trust. You are putting your faith in something that could let you down, and it's causing you stress. 
You're trusting in a coworker. You're trusting in a boss. You're trusting in a. You're putting your faith in a job. You're putting your faith in your own abilities. And it's no wonder you're fret, you're stressed because your boss will eventually let you down, right? Your coworkers will let you down. The company doesn't care about you at all. And even you will let you down eventually because human beings are this weird mix of unintentional mistakes and intentional sins. And you put your faith in things that let you down. You will be stressed. And it could even be that you're putting your faith in your job not just for money, but for some deeper things in your soul, like significance. Like, I'll know that I'm a success in this life. I'll know that I'm, that I'm, I'm worth something if only I could get to this level in my job. And you're putting your faith in your job to get there. The key to peace, though, is to put your faith in something or someone who cannot let you down, will not let you down, and that's Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus, your stress level drops. It just drops. And it, to illustrate how, how this works in a practical sense in your life, I want you to imagine for a second, well, think about it this way. When you're, when you're, um, when you're poor, losing your job is a tragedy. You know, some, some of you have been there, some of you are there now, where it's like month to month and you can't pay the bills. And if you lose a job, it's, it's bad. But I want you to do a thought experiment with me for a second. Imagine that you're from a super wealthy family, super wealthy. And your father comes to you and he says, I want you to get a job. But he doesn't want you to get a job to pay the bills. He wants you to get a job to learn responsibility and learn how to work and learn how to deal with people and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so you go to your job and your boss comes in and says, hey, listen, I just want you to be aware of what's going on. There could be layoffs. Are you worried? No, everybody else is freaking out, but you're not worried. Why? Because your father's rich. So just having a wealthy father might radically eliminate the stress in your life. But let me ask you a, a powerful question here. Do you really think it is better to have a rich dad than a heavenly father? God has all the riches in the world. He created this world and everything that in it. He has all the riches and treasures of heaven, and he calls himself your father, and yet we're worried about what's going to happen in our workplace? No, when you, when you put your faith in God and know that your heavenly father will take care of you, then you don't have to worry about what people can do to you. And you can say with confidence what the writer of Hebrews said, 13.6. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? You won't have stress because you'll know God is in control. And he loves you and he cares for you. Okay, so that's the first thing. You have to remember that God is in control. Next, when I'm stressed out, I must, write this down, talk to God about my work. When we're stressed out at work, we will talk to our coworkers about our coworkers. We'll talk to our boss about our coworkers. We'll talk to our spouse about our coworkers. We'll talk to our friends and our, our, our spouse about our boss. We will talk to everyone in the world except maybe the one person who could actually do something about it, God. And no wonder we're stressed because we're talking and talking, but we're talking to people who can't solve our stressful problems. The Bible reminds us to talk to God about everything, and you can talk to him about the stress in your life and your worries. Some of you 
this is a huge growth step for you in your faith because uh, some of, you know, a lot of the people here came from some Christian background, and so maybe someone taught you to pray when you were little, and prayer for you was, you know, you get down on your knees at your bed at the end of the day, and you say, dear God, please bless mommy and daddy, and my, uh, my three-year-old makes me name every member of our family onto first cousins, second cousins, I'm thanking God for ancestors, I'm praying for, you know. And that's, you know, that was the extent of your prayer life. And you've got to learn to connect your prayers to the actual stress of your life. Listen to what the Bible says. Look, this is today's memory verse, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything except your job. That's not what it says, is it? It just says don't worry about anything. But we're always accepting things from that. We go, yeah, but God, I mean, this one, like this thing's really big. I'm not gonna have a, a place to live. I'm not gonna eat. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So what do you pray about? Everything. Everything. You pray about everything. And prayer is just talking to God. You don't have to use special language. You don't have to be all holy. You don't have to sound like the King James Version of the Bible with these and thous. God just wants you to be honest with him, open with him, tell him what's on your heart. God's a big boy. He can handle it. In fact, he already knows. Have there ever been things in your heart that you're like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna pray about that? God already knows. And just like a parent who wants his kids to have a relationship with him, he wants you to tell him. Here's the truth. If you prayed every time you were stressed, you'd be a lot less stressed. And frankly, if it's not worth praying about, it's not worth stressing about. But why don't we pray? God designed prayer to be the healthy way that we deal with stress. Now, this principle might be the, this, this might actually be the principle of this message that would most transform your life if you would grasp this. That God designed prayer to be the healthy way that we manage stress in our lives and that we deal with it. But if your family of origin is like my family of origin, that's not how they dealt with stress. I mean, think about how your family of origin dealt with stress. Uh, what are some common ways? Uh, eating. You ever get really stressed out and then you come home and just make bad food choices? Just eat some chips? I had a Klondike bar yesterday. I'll own it. <laughs> and then late, you know, you wake up the next morning and you look in the mirror and you're like, I look like garbage. You just feel like garbage because you manage your stress in an unhealthy way. Some of, some, some of our families of origin uh, dealt with stress by drinking. Some, for some of them, it was a couple drinks every single day. For some of them, it was binge drinking, to, even to the point of alcoholism and hiding alcohol throughout because they were trying to deal with stress. For some, it's shopping. And it used to be that you would go buy a store on your way home when you had a particularly bad day at work, but now all you have to do is go home, you open the browser, and you just start clicking, click, 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 click. And there are so many boxes piled up outside of your front door, you don't even know what's in the boxes. But it's just because it's a way of dealing with stress. And, and, and those are just the mild ways. I mean, it amplifies from there. I mean, there, there's some of our family members that were using pills to try to deaden and numb themselves so they wouldn't have to face the stress of their lives. They had no healthy coping skills or pornography and, porn, and compulsive pornography use. Or, or even some of you lived through physical abuse because your parents, or emotional abuse because your, your family of origin had no way of coping with stress in a healthy way. 
And part of what it means to live as a Christian is to understand this, that that might be how my family of origin did it. But when you turn from your faith to follow Jesus, you're in the new family of Jesus now, and we have better and healthier ways of dealing with and managing the stress of your life. God wants you to bring it to him because he cares for you. When you deal with stress in an unhealthy way, you end up with shame and regret. But when you deal with it in a healthy way, you grow as a person. You grow as a person. I, I think that um, if we knew how much God wanted to help us and how much he could help us, we would pray a lot. We would talk to God about our work a lot more. I thought about this this week, and it was a, just a beautiful thought to me that um, every problem in your life is a little thing to God. There's no such thing as a big problem in your life because God is bigger than your problems. All, pro- all problems are tiny to God and he promises to take care of you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. And the Greek word in that sentence literally means to drop it. And some of you have been carrying around stress and you've been carrying around this weight on your shoulders and it has been like, like you're carrying a backpack full of sand And the Bible invites you to take that burden and drop it at the feet of Jesus, to cast it all on him. Is there a stressful situation you have been carrying that you need to give to God today? If you want us as a staff of this church to pray for you, write that on the back of your connection card, and we will pray for you Monday morning. Remember, God is in control. Talk to God about my work. And here's the third thing. To defeat stress in my job, I must create healthy boundaries. Many of us spend the majority of our days at work, and that can bleed into our life at home. So creating healthy boundaries around our workplace is critical. Now, if you're a homemaker or you work from home, all of a sudden your home life and your work life get really fuzzy, and so boundaries might be even more important for you. But so many of us let those, there's these fuzzy, porous boundaries. See if any of this sounds familiar. Your boss depends on you to be available day and night, and you often bring work home on the weekends. Or how about this? Your colleagues and clients rely on you so much that you plan to be available during your vacation. How about you check your email at home every 15 minutes, or every time you hear that notification, you pull out your phone. You feel like a trained mouse, and you hear that iPhone, bing! And then you just have to respond and you wonder where the pellets are. You know, when that happens, even when you're at dinner with family or friends, it's a boundary issue. When you miss community group or church because you have to catch up on our work, that's that's a boundary. If you if this if these sound like your life, you know, it may feel like you're working your way up the ladder, but you're actually sacrificing more important things for things that aren't worth as much. Plus, you're neglecting yourself and those you love. You don't have, if that's you, you don't have healthy boundaries, you really probably have almost no boundaries at all. And listen, I get it. Like, I feel the same tension, the same pull that you do, and we feel like we can handle it. We feel like we're indestructible. We feel like we've got everything we need to get it done. But here's the thing. This idea of creating healthy boundaries, which is what we're talking about, you know, this, this idea comes from the Scriptures, This idea comes from the life of Jesus. So Jesus was this, Jesus was incredible. He 
he was beautiful. And, and his miracles that he always performed almost always came out of compassion for people. Like, like these, these were people who lived in crushing poverty, and so they were hungry, and so he would feed them. And they were sick, and he would heal them. And so as a result, there were thousands of people wanting Jesus' attention. And this has always been something that, that, that rings as very authentic about Jesus' ministry. Like, if you had the power to heal people, right, would you stand up on a stage and, like, make a big show and get the TV cameras and then, like, heal the people? Or would you go where sick people are and just heal as many people as you possibly could with your life? I mean, you would feel just compelled to go and heal as many. And that was Jesus. He's always surrounded by crowds and thousands of people, people trying to touch him. He's always going. And in the midst, I mean, if that were you, think about the pressure on your life that you would feel to help as many people as you could possibly help. I mean, you, you, you would just become exhausted from never stopping but watch Jesus. Mark 6, 31. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't, didn't even have time to eat. Jesus knew that you have to have healthy boundaries. And this is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus recognized that he and his apostles could do more by making room for important things and taking care of their bodies and resting. I mean, would you be more productive at work if you took care of yourself? Of course you would. You know, do, would you have better focus if you spent quality time with friends and family? Of course you would. And so you've got to set some rules for yourself. You've got to, before you spend the office, you need to sp you spend five minutes planning your work for the next day so that when you get home, you don't have to think about it. You gotta limit checking your email or taking work calls at home. I have a friend, a friend named Claude that when he gets home, he has a wife and kids. So when he gets home, he takes his phone, he puts it in a, a bread box <laughs> for dinner time and bedtime. And then once the kids go to bed, if he needs to work a little more, he can. But that way, it's put away and he can focus on the important things God has given him to focus on in that moment. You need to schedule time in your calendar to, do some, to exercise or do something fun. You need to learn to say no. So many of you have a to-do list and you need a stop doing list. And then you need to work over the next six weeks, six months to start getting those things off, off of your stop doing list by getting rid of them, by delegating them, by talking to your manager about them, or sometimes just saying no. And here's something to know about boundaries at your work. It's not just about what you won't do at home. It's also about what you won't do for other people. If you overfunction and take on other people's work, if you're constantly rescuing people from feeling the consequences of their poor performance, you are not helping them. And you're also overstepping the boundaries God has placed in your life as healthy limits. According to the Bible, James 5.12, it says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. This is actually a discipleship issue. If you don't, you, you have to know how to say no. And for some of you, you say yes to so many things that you can't fulfill your commitments. And so you need to learn to let your no be no so that your yes means yes. You say no to a few things so that when you say yes to important things, you can follow through on your commitments. That's a discipleship issue. It's about following Jesus. So listen, if you don't create healthy boundaries around your job, no one will do it for you. You'll become the office pushover that people take advantage of. You'll lose respect from people you love. So learn to set some healthy boundaries this week and tell someone you trust about it so they can check in with you.
All right, so to, to defeat stress at work, we say remember God is in control, talk to God about your stress, create healthy boundaries, and finally, enjoy regular rest. How long did it take God to make the world? Six days. Because what did he do on the seventh day? He rested. He stopped. Now, he, he wasn't tired. He's God. He didn't need to take a break. He's God. He set a pattern and an example for all people to follow. Right there, during the creation of the world, God shows the importance of rest. God even put rest in his top ten list. It's in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 29 through 10, the fourth commandment. Now, actually, let's read this together. It starts with, you have six days. Ready and go. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. God has a plan for your rest. He has a plan for your work, but he also has a plan for your rest. And we have a hard time, especially in our society, finding rest. First of all, God wants you to sleep. God says that he gives sleep as a gift to his beloved. And I always, I always tell my wife, I sleep more than, than you do because God loves me more. And she loves when I say that. That's like her favorite thing. That's actually a good way to get punched as a husband. No, sleep, God made us to sleep. Rest is important having the same bedtime each night, getting up at the same time each day. If your body doesn't know what's going on, God made you to stop every day and rest by sleeping. But also, God wants you to rest each week. And this is what the Bible talks much more about. It's part of his plan for you, and the Bible calls this day of rest a Sabbath. Sabbath just means stop or cease to stop working. Now, the weekly Sabbath in the Bible has three purposes, and you can write these down in the margin of your notes. The first purpose of a weekly Sabbath is worshiping together. God wants you to refocus your life every Sabbath through worship. Worship is about refocusing my spirit on God. It's about reconnecting to God with the people of God. It is the number one priority on your Sabbath. For many of us, we've never thought about this before Right? When we have a weekend, we just plan, 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 plan. We fill it up with as much as we possibly can. We think about all the things we need to get done and all the people we need to meet with and all the brunches we need to have. But the number one priority of the Bible when it talks about Sabbath overwhelmingly is worship, worshiping together. And for many of you, today would be or perhaps should be your Sabbath. But it can be your Sabbath even if you have to work on Sunday. You can set a different day. And you can still make attending church a priority. You can still go to a community group. You can still watch online. But Sabbath is about worshiping together. The second purpose of Sabbath is for a physical recharge, physical rest. It's, it's a time to rest your body. This is the day you don't do the job, you do the other six days. Now, if your job is to be a parent, you're still going to have to parent a little bit. Sorry to inform you. But it looks different. You should take time to rest physically during that day. Attend church. Then after the service, go do something fun. Do something that energizes you while focusing on God. Play a board game. Turn off the TV. Uh, last night in my house, we hid pennies for the children to find. <laughs> and then they hid pennies for us to find. They're very good. They're very good. They're still missing pennies in my house, actually, if you ever come over. You can keep what you find. 
but you need to rest physically. Uh, The third is emotional rest. The third purpose of Sabbath is emotional rest. This is one of the great benefits of worshiping together on our Sabbath is that you, um, you, you get spiritually recharged, but you also connect with friends who help to recharge you emotionally. You disconnect from work and school so your mind can rest and your emotions can rest. Um, and you get the emotional rest that you need on the Sabbath. And let me just say, this is one of the Ten Commandments that we treat as one of the Ten Suggestions. We don't do this with anything else in the Ten Commandments. We don't say like, well, I didn't murder anybody last week, so I think this week I'm just going to go out on a limb and just go stabby-stabby, right? We, we don't do that. But we do say, well, I went to church last week, so you know this week. I just don't, I, like, I, I, well, I'll catch up. I'll catch up. Like, we don't, th- we don't view anything else as a suggestion. But here's the thing. The Sabbath is a commandment in the Bible. Now, if you're not a Christian, I don't, you know, I think that... Um, I think it would be helpful for your life. But if you're a Christian, you know, one of the things you say is like, I'd like, I want the Bible to guide my life and I want to obey the commandments in the Bible, right? Sabbath is a commandment, which means that if you break it, it hurts you. That's true of all the commandments. If you break it, it hurts you. But if you keep it, you're blessed. That's how they work in the Bible. When you keep it, you're healthier, you're happier, you're more fulfilled. It helps you maintain balance in your life. And God put this in the Ten Commandments for you. Because God wants you to know that the physical and emotional rest is important. And there's also a deeper principle happening here, which is, I think, why it's one of the big Ten Commandments. That there's a principle of spiritual rest that's true as well. Just like your body needs rest from its striving, so does, it, so does your soul. Look at John uh, 4, verses 1 through 3. It says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For only we who believe can enter his rest. You know what that, you know what that saying essentially is that when you believe in Jesus, you enter God's rest. Here's how that works. You don't have to use work to prove that you're worth something. You don't have to use work to prove that you're a success. You don't have to use work to prove that you're acceptable to people. You don't have to use work to gain a sense of being powerful. Because when you believe in Jesus, all those things come from Jesus. And so when you walk into work, you're not freaking out like, I hope I'm a success in this life. I hope people accept me. I hope I can prove myself. It's just work. Because all of that stuff is taken care of by Jesus. You know your worth because Jesus loved you so much that he died for you. You know, I, know, I don't know who, exactly who I would die for but I know I would die for my wife and my kids because that's how, much, that's how valuable they are to me. When you're worth something, you, you know, if you would die for someone, that's how much they're worth to you. Jesus died for you, that's how much you're worth to him. You know you're accepted because Jesus has embraced you, sin and all. You know that what you do will make a difference and last eternally because he gives you eternal life to live to live and to last forever. And so you don't have to try to prove something through your work because that all comes through Jesus. And so when you believe in Jesus, there's a rest for your soul. And then work can just be work. And when work is just work, believe me when I say that your stress level drops radically because it's no longer about you being a success or you being significant or you making, it's just work. As good as it is. The striving of your soul is not wrapped up in it. Okay. 
So, you know, as we, as we wrap and recap our message for today, I want to look back at the big picture. You will have stress in your, you will have things that cause stress in your life. They will press you, right? That's always going to happen. And you have to decide whether these things are going to press you towards God or separate you from God. You're going to have to, um, you're going to have to decide how you're going to manage the stress in your life. I believe that God's will is for you to find peace in the middle of difficult situations. But in order to do that, you have to remember that God is in control. You have to talk to God about your work. You have to create healthy boundaries. And you have to enjoy regular rest. You know, living chronically stressed is not just unhealthy, it's useless. And it's not how God wants you to live. He has better things for you. Psalm 127.2 says this, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. May that verse be true of your life, your body, and your soul. Let's pray.